Hi, I'm Orla McGuinness. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio and this is the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen, we watch it and then we meet to discuss it. This week's film is Pick Up on South Street, which is all one word. <laughs> Directed by Sam Fuller, produced by Jules Schirmer. Screenplay by Sam Fuller. Story by Dwight Taylor. Stars by, say, and Richard Woodmark. <laughs> ah, the way these things are laid out. Starring Richard Woodmark, Jean Peters and Thelma Ritter. Music by Lee Hireline. Cinematography by Joseph MacDonald. And edited by Nick DiMaggio. Which is a very cool name. And the synopsis is... In New York City, an insolent pickpocket, Skip McCoy, inadvertently sets off a chain of events when he targets ex-prostitute Candy and steals her wallet. Unaware that she's been making deliveries of highly classified information to the communists, Candy, who's been trailed by FBI agents for months in hopes of nabbing the spy (laughs) ringleader, is sent by her ex-boyfriend Joey to find Skip and retrieve the valuable microfilm he now holds. Long sentences. Yes. This week's film was picked by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this film? Because it's fucking awesome. Reason uh, enough for me. Like, uh, I'm a big fan of Sam Fuller, and uh, I was thinking which one to pick from his catalog. Like, I think you've seen Shaw Corridor, or have you? Well, like, he's a very interesting type of person as well. He used to be a journalist. Uh, oh, he's really? the son of an anarchist and this why, is all this is all adding up <laughs> like he went to world war Two as a soldier pretty much as a volunteer because he goes oh it'd be a pretty good story to write about <laughs> eventually like this uh, is all adding up <laughs> so uh at the same time because he was an anarchist uh well like not out and out anarchist but uh hollywood could not understand him like, some people would say that he was extremely right-wing, then other people would say that he was a communist because he just didn't fit into any box. So, because he was complaining about, like, in this, that he was, like, all flag-waving all the, like, that he hated patriotism. Yeah. That Then people are like, oh, he must be a communist. But because he hated communists as well, they're like, oh, he must be some extreme right-wing person, you know? This is really funny. I, uh, I literally have written down a strangely strangely rebellious patriotism. Oh, yeah. like uh, He's an interesting character to begin with. And his films are very, very uh, different one from the other as well. Like He did westerns and like uh, film noir like this. He did horror film like shock corridor is based also that he uh uh he embedded himself in a lunatic asylum to write a like uh some like an article about it and the film is about like a person that actually goes undercover he didn't do it that way yeah so he, he used a lot of his like own experiences into his filmmaking but he was also like a huge fan of italian neorealism mm. which is very obvious in how his films are shot and why they haven't aged as badly as other films especially b pictures of the the era because they're all shot in location mostly and even like the when you do have like real projection is that the sets are made to look natural yeah and it does help also that in film noir you usually have like direct one directional lighting and stuff so you don't have that kind of really fake studio like uh lighting that you'd have at that area yeah yeah and like uh, this film in particular i ended up picking up uh because i've referred to it a few times in the podcast in uh, previous episodes and I thought that would be like one of those interesting interesting ones to talk about. I do think also that is a film that has one incredible performance from Thelma Ritter as Mo. Mm. And uh like it's a the film it's like admission the price of admission is covered just on her performance, even if the rest of the film was a piece of shit. It'd be great. Uh, I do think as well that it's an interesting piece considering uh, that it was made during like the height of McCarthyism. Mm. And it, it reflects that. And it's a good uh, companion piece also to High Noon and how they deal with their anti-McCarthyist views. And also how they had to do like a balance balancing act to be able to pass through the censors. Yeah. But at the same time, make their message obvious enough that anybody would be able to pick it up you know 
and yeah like uh, i think uh, uh as well i fucking love film noir and this is like fucking hard edge pot boiler kind of dialogue and everything <laughs> like that the, the fucking lead detective of like the pickpocket fucking unit tiger. The, yeah, the tiger <laughs> and like richard widmark uh second appearance like mm. in this podcast i do think that his style of like proto uh like uh, method acting uh is more suited for this kind of film than something like Judgment and Nuremberg. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about him definitely. Yeah, like uh, I think that uh, he he has a presence as well, and it's a film that it does have one issue or two, like particularly the ending that I'll, I'll get to. But also that I think Sam Fuller as a filmmaker has incredible empathy towards uh, his characters, and I think that he does it in a very subtle way and obviously like uh, in a way the the portrayal of candy also has like some issues uh, but, <laughs> but also coming from the time where it is i think that it's more like a lack of time in the running time in the film mm. like you can tell that they're probably like fucking 10 pages or something that they couldn't shoot that got cut down for her relationship with with skip because like i feel that her character is very well drawn with the exception of one thing that happens in the film that we'll get to. But without further ado, what did you think of Pick Up on South Street? <laughs> it's funny, like, you saying that about Fuller because I knew nothing about him. And uh, until you said that, it's just interesting. Like, basically everything you said is completely about his character and his approach to his filmmaking and everything um, is very apparent in this film. And uh, it's interesting, like, just what you're saying there about him, his sort of, like, research methods and stuff. Like, because this is, what, 1950? 1953. And was Shock, Shock, was it Shock? Shock Harder yeah, was 1957 that, or something. That, that feels strangely a modern kind of um, approach to sort of, like, um, researching scripts. Like, obviously, I don't think he's not, like, a pioneer of, of that kind of idea. But for that time, it feels kind of... Um, it's it's interesting that like kind of like putting yourself like you know like within situations in order to like research and stuff. But um, yeah, even like with something like this, the uh, like the story was created by somebody else. Where he wrote the script, he would ride the subway to see if he yeah. could see, or like even imagine how to pickpocket people. Mm. Like he would almost do like method writing rather yeah. than method it's acting. Like, it's kind like it's like it's funny. Like he's the first thing that popped into my head whenever you're talking about um, him being a journalist. I, mean, I thought of like David Simon. Yeah. You know, and like how how he became like so involved in that world, and then being able to like portray it so realistically and so empathetically as well. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like uh, that, the very opening scene of this, um, uh, <laughs> which I really really liked. I think all the scenes in, in the subway are really really brilliant and very very like obviously like it's, I think pretty sure it's a set, but really feels this the realism of this um which we'll we'll get to later is is really interesting and he really like it's very evocative of of the city and the streets and everything um but that whole sort of like initial um uh scenario with them first of all i recognized him and then didn't uh woodmark i was like who the fuck is that then i was like oh that guy but um as i was watching that scene unfold i was like what what is actually going on here because i was i was like is is she aware that she's being pickpocketed? Because I was like, there's no way that guy is somehow able to like, you know, <laughs> seduce her with his eyes as he's like very blatantly robbing her. Obviously, his skill is apparent or whatever. But I was just like, this, you know, I I I don't buy this. She must know, you know, like that that she's being robbed or whatever. Um, kind of giving Per Candy more credit than she actually uh maybe deserved, but um. And but at the same time, it was, it was it was a curious opening because I was watching it just like, this is weirdly sexy. <laughs> I was like, I don't really understand why. And I was like, but but that guy. And I was like, I don't get it. And then obviously, like by the time you get to their, uh, the time you get to their um, their first scene together, then in the uh, the shack. Uh, which is like, I was, like, I was watching it and I was like, why are they kissing? But they should be kissing. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? It's like this sheer, like, and this is a combination of, of, of their chemistry. And also I think he is, um, you said it there that he has, um, 
really a sort of a presence and charisma that I think is really very perfect for this character because he is able to play this kind of scallywag and he's very good like he's kind of like an anti-hero but like he's able to do like that to the point of whenever he's in the library and like oh my god new york public library i was like actually going to the library oh my god but uh like 1950s oh beautiful but um as he's uh you know going through the uh the microfilm and everything and you're just like oh god that asshole you know like you really you really dislike him but at the same time like you can't hate him because he lives in the shack and he has this brilliant way of like storing both his alcohol and his loot you know like it's he has just buckets of charm but at the same time like it wouldn't really work in the context of their relationship or even like his relationship to like tiger or his relationship to mo it wouldn't work if it was completely one-sided and i think that one of the real great strengths of this is all the different characters and how they relate to each other and she is also great like candy is great i think like their their interactions you kind of you you buy their chemistry you buy their their sort of like connection or whatever but um like it's kind of a it's a very good blend of an awful lot of things so i think like obviously it's kind of a fun sort of pop winter detective story of like trying to you know and bringing in this kind of um um what do you call a person who informs on the police again informant no like a just a stoolie like a ah there's a particular noari name for it and i can't actually remember but um and like the 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 very kind of like the streetwise squealer something like that but like the kind of streetwise nature of it being able to like identify criminals yeah. by their like i loved all that like that whole and scene how they where... also like uh she has even her code for what it's like i'll give you eight names yeah. so like she's not lying to the police but at the same time being uh, yeah. she knows exactly who it is but she doesn't want to finger it's the this, guy out this, kind of it's thing. this wonderful little system of relationships and also a kind of a little bit of like like she's sort of like bubbles in the wire you know yeah. what i mean that it's like people kind of know what she's doing they know what bubbles is doing but at the same time bubbles kind of gets away with it because you know it's the same kind of thing where um a very sort of like um fun but also like tinged with realism of how those kind of relationships work on like lower level criminals or whatever like technically she's not really a criminal but you know and um yeah and then also the strangely rebellious patriotism (laughs) which is like you know, it's, the amount of times the the phrase "flag waving" is uh, is it flag waving? He said, "Yeah, don't even wave your flag at <laughs> yeah, me." Yeah, exactly. Tiger. Like, and it's 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 just so it's so wonderful. But um, uh, and then like we've kind of touched on it as well. The 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 realistic um, um, locations and and the very like I think the the fact that you said that about Italian neorealism, re, uh, Italian neorealism, very much rings true because like I don't know if any of this is location or sets or what, but I think probably a good part of the sets. But um, it's the way he he shoots them, and it that like his shack really feels like it's down on the docks. Like in that that scene, whenever they first pull up in the car, and it's it it feels it feels real. It feels lived, and it feels like a real world. I think the tone of this is uh is one of my my favorite things because it's it is it, it's very like it's very noir, but at the same time, it has a kind of a like warmth and like like playfulness to yeah. it, like the the romance is not it, it's it's not it doesn't have like the same kind of like feeling of tragedy that a lot of noirs have and i think as well that um it's not taking itself incredibly seriously in the way that a lot of noirs do that even though they are in the end of the day like they have their very b picture kind of elements or whatever like it doesn't have like fucking what do you call your man from um Dublin indemnity you know when he's like narrating the whole thing and you know like everyone everyone yeah. everyone's a dame and everyone's double crossing and like an awful lot of the problems I have with noirs is that they always have like a twist too far you know and I think this manages to handle its kind of um its relationships and I think just in a really like interesting but like very like well handled way if you know what I mean and we definitely have to talk about like um about Mo's character um I think that that is one of like the best examples of um, the warmth of, of this because I was trying to think of like another film similarly that that has a character like that particularly that is an older woman and I can really kind of she think. reminds me of the of oh what's the name of the actress now the the Mexican actress in 
high noon as well yeah that is the the kind of like secondary character that any other movie would just like throw on the wayside yeah and they make the character like a feature of the movie the like and gives the character their due you know like yeah they she gets a lot of screen time and like and great scenes like her death is one of my favorite scenes in cinema like as in because it just comes out of nowhere and it just hits you but also, like, just the scene with uh, with Skip uh, at the bar when he's having, oh, like, I coffee and they're just sitting down. Like, there's so, like, and what, like you were saying is that Sam Fuller uh, was hugely appreciated in a way from, for the French New Wave as well. So it's kind yeah. of, like, inspiration upon inspiration so much. So the, the way the Goddard shot, like, earlier shit, like, Breathless and Feminine Masculine is very much, like, Sam Fuller's editing of, like, the flow of Fuller's editing is very modern. Like, it's mm. not... It's not establishing shot, mid-shot, mid-shot, boring kind of fucking thing, you know? Like, mm. he, he had a very particular... Like, he would build a scene in his head and shoot it that way. He wouldn't get that much coverage and such. And he even shows up, uh, like, in a cameo in, like, Pierrot Lufo and, like, in loads of, Does like, uh, as himself. Oh, great. Uh, and he says, like, one of those lines, like, oh, cinema is life or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know exactly what's the line, but one of those very pretentious but amazing because it's Sam Fuller saying that yeah um, i think um it's interesting just like um i think that we'll talk a little bit running time and, and it's really sort of like in relation to, to candy and stuff but um uh i think it, it's really interesting how um in such a short amount of time he manages to create so many um incredibly believable and like warm relationships because there's like the relationship between mo and skip skip and candy um candy and mo and then also like skip and tiger and tiger and mo it's like all these relationships and then the fbi as well yeah like what what role do they play and then also uh joey uh, has like a lot of presence as well like uh played by richard kinley yeah uh, candy's boyfriend he's not just a villain He's like, you'd never no, really he's understand. he's clearly very what, sad. Like, yeah, and you d- don't really know. Like, you know that he's selling secrets to the communists, but where did he get the secrets from to begin with? Because yeah. he obviously doesn't have the clout to be providing this oh, kind no, of secret. Oh, no, he's a stooge. Yeah, he's like, yeah. a, like a middle kind of person. Like, that it's getting, like, from, getting something from A to give to B kind of thing. And Richard Kinley also is distractively looks like a young Frank Langella. And... He, mm, I more I was looking at him and I was like I really recognize him and I looked him up and I was like no not really and then I realized that I think it's his voice yeah and that's where I recognize him from because I was like oh my god I know that voice and it's like he's been in loads of things and he's like the he's something in like Jurassic Park as well he's like the the um the announcer or something like in the park or or like you know whenever they're going along and they have like the thing describing the park in the car and stuff oh yes yeah yeah that's him and i was like i fucking knew he has that kind of like weird mid-atlantic like newsman kind of voice you know of oh very much of that era and like oh it's just wonderful like i quite like uh i quite like him and i think he does manage to give joey um a certain amount of um sympathy as well because um, despite the fact that he's clearly a you know a louse, yeah. um, he's uh, <laughs> I think that's something that uh, that Mo calls somebody at some point. But um, uh, like especially whenever like he's handed the gun and he has to you know that he knows that he's what he's gonna have to do ultimately, um, and that he he is able to be like sort of vaguely vaguely threatening, but more in a kind of a like fatalist way or something like in the way yeah, of like how he knows he's gonna have to kill her because he knows that she's not gonna tell him and she knows that he's gonna have to kill her because she knows you know that that this is just the way that that scenario was always gonna play out and it's like you know but at the same time it's not like he gives it loads of time for the two of them to have like their their you know and for her to really sort of you know she's kind of just like given up at that point almost but it's still incredibly sad whenever he does kill her as well like that fight like the fight scenes in this movie are very brutal in a way that oh, like God, not yeah. uh, uh, like even like the way the fucking Richard Wilmer just punches like candy yeah like uh, and I think that it's in a way realistic to who the characters are in the world that they live in that uh, is that kind of 
the, the portrayal of like a world like this it would have felt cheap if uh, if uh, Fuller did what Hollywood used to do at that time that it's like oh he just slaps her and she passes out you know like is yeah. the, as well as the it, you feel the you feel the pain and like whenever Joey hits her it's really yeah you really feel it. like it, it's and how very... he chases her around yeah. the room and but it's like a really weird wide high shot as yeah. well it's really like and how afraid she is whenever she goes down to the door and everything like you really believe it um and then also his panic when uh like that scene of him hiding in the the, the little service elevator yeah. after he shoots uh candy is really really good tense like kind of and it's so weird it's like kind of comical yeah but tense because he's like <laughs> squeezed in into this little box yeah and they're like and pulling they're the thing up and down on the kind of the pulley system yeah um yeah like i think as well like i think that all the characters sort of like motivations make sense like you kind of understand why why joey's doing this why why skip is the way he is why mo is the way she is and then at the same time like why they have you know like everyone's kind of motivations are very clear and uh so it's just like it, it really builds on why they are so believable in saying that though uh you kind of like alluded to the the thing of 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 candy candy is kind of the only character i feel who doesn't quite ring completely true or or like her authenticity is is slightly it's like because she has like she has moments of 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 like agency and you know she's clearly like sort of street hardened or whatever but at the same time you know often kind of tinged with moments of complete hysteria which are a bit but you know it's of the time so that that's okay um but the, the main thing that i kind of struggled with is the fact that she just kind of goes along with the whole passing of not the like the passing of stuff for joey but the fact that she never questions it well like it's because slightly like the it's the thing of communism that that era is by and it's a like it's a on purpose comment on that um that was something that i wanted to to get to eventually yeah is the fact that it's not like the cartoonish version of what uh american tv um film or even like something it would be like something like the americans yeah the the person that you were giving news to and like giving shit to was would sound as american as fucking american pie and whatever the like fucking apple pie and ice cream as the guy next door no i know i know what you mean so like she knew that if she was doing something like moving illegal things but she probably, with Joey's background as well, is that she probably thought that it was the mob because, like, 50s New York, the mob was huge, you know? Like, this is fucking uh, Godfather era, like, fucking yeah. New York. So, like, everything was, like, rackets and shit, you know? Like, that's why you had fucking pickpocket unit. It was, like, a unit for oh, everything yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in the police department. So, I think it's that idea of, like, becoming, precisely because of that, that you don't think... Uh, that you're a cog in a wheel that it's bigger than just your city it's like mm. world International level cold war type shit and also how like somebody that is like an ex-prostitute like a, at the end of her rope and tether and like a guy that is like won't strike out of fucking being uh, in jail for life uh, can be involved in something as big as that and also as small as it is that like it's one of the reasons that i like this movie as well is that no matter how important and huge and for one that they never reveal what the fucking uh the secret is what, what's in the microfilm yeah it doesn't just, really matter it's not yeah it's just a MacGuffin. but mm-hmm. at the same time is the like it doesn't become overblown there's no like somebody like the army shows up to yeah. like burst them in or whatever there's still like a small person drama but it just becomes like global in scale because of these two opposing forces that do nothing for the life of these characters you have like the fbi and the communists and it doesn't matter they're just like if it wasn't them 
these people would be doing the same fucking shit. It was just, it would be well, somebody just, else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the, the whole thing of it being sparked off by him just pickpocketing the wrong thing that literally he could have just picked a different person. Yeah. This whole thing would have, you know what I mean? Like the whole thing would have gone, would have been complete, you know, like she would have just been caught. And it's, yeah, I, I get what you mean about like the kind of small story thing of it. And uh, I like the, the way that the, the actual communist element of, of it is handled, particularly in relation to Joey and like his kind of, him being a kind of, um, a, just a, you know a cog in a, yeah. in a bigger machine and even how his bosses or the guys that are kind of like sending him out to find the thing don't seem you know what i mean they're not like these sort of like machiavellian characters they just seem as sort of like desperate as everyone else does it feels very street level um oh yeah like it's, it's something that is very uh common and frequent in uh fuller's work that uh, like he always gets uh, he enters the movie when the character's life is uh, already like as low as he the character thought that it would ever get you know yeah the but uh coming back to this is like what you were talking about communism i couldn't like fucking stop but think about how bad it is dealt with in hill caesar compared to how good it is dealt with in this yeah and it's a very similar kind they of thing that communisms kind of. are that they're just Horrible. hiding in the in the background. That they're like American people that believe in communism, and they're like just going. They're like in the shadows. That you just go into a room, and there's like five people that you don't know. They're like, okay, we're the communists, and you're just expecting like some fucking mustache swirling Russian guy drinking vodka in the corner, fucking like a Bond villain, you know? <laughs> and it's just like an accountant in the firm or a lawyer mm. or like a Don Draper kind of character. The Americans is a good is a good comparison because. It's the same kind of thing where an awful lot of the time in, in in the Americans, even though like obviously you're very invested in these characters, but it's they are clearly shown to be part of a much bigger thing. They're part of a much bigger program, and even though they have their connections to the big people or whatever, they a lot of the time what they're doing is is smaller things, small incremental steps towards helping you know the cause that they may or may not still believe in. Yeah. So um, I think that's it's true of this as well that it's. That like that the little microfilm as important as it is it's not going to like win the cold war it's not either way you know what i mean like getting it back or it getting to the russians it's you know it's just one part of a very bigger thing um also like uh, considering like that it was made during mccarthyism the going back to your point of uh her knowing not knowing what she's involved with in the beginning of the movie i think part of it for that just like going back to that is is very much her sort of her performance it's just like how little time we're given with her and sort of yeah. like her relationship to joey and kind of you know like kind of going about i don't know if we needed like needed another scene of her going to meet the person she was you know around and meet like say another meeting she has or something yeah. like how normal it seems that it's not like going to this shady warehouse and it's the mob or whatever you know it's like <clears throat> even the fact that the way like she dresses and everything the fact that it's all daytime kind of gives you that and it's just going to a hotel yeah um... kind of gives you that indication but I don't know I feel like I just needed more time with her because yeah. even then whenever you see her with Joey and Joey's clearly like shitting himself and she doesn't she just doesn't quite get it and I just whenever so much effort is going gone to put into like um showing how streetwise she is and how she's able to get to skip um, through obviously like various people and like that scene in the, in the Chinese restaurant is great but she's able oh yeah your man eating is so it. disgusting the way that he eats fucking oh god, ramen oh god and it's he, it's there for like that fucking lingers that shot for so long but um, you very much see the difference between you know what scene that reminded me of yeah <laughs> oh I love that film also kind of comparative um <laughs> comparable um but uh, they, you know, he puts a lot of work into showing how she is very different to Joey in the way that, like, even Joey saying, like, you know, I don't have these connections. That like, you get the feeling that Joey was is not at the level that she is. That like Joey seems like he came from like a you know a relatively good family or whatever, and as it ended up in this situation rather than someone like um, Candy, who's just always been. This has always been yeah, her life. And she it's kind always... of fell up to that situation and yeah. he fell down into that situation. Yeah. So that she, even whenever things are going horribly wrong for her, she seems almost more able to deal with it than he is. But um, it, uh, what I was getting at was that, like, uh, I think the uh, Fuller's comment on McCarthyism is precisely that uh, it's both the overzealousy of the FBI to prosecute anybody that, like, win- goes within, like, an inch of a communist. Yeah. 
and also how especially uh with people that were like oh i signed into like um the uh, communist party kind of manifesto when it was like world war ii or whatever the, like they were allies supposedly and then they got blacklisted later on uh, the idea that also like a lot of people just fall into it without being communist you know that they're mm. just like unaware of what's going on and then by the moment that you like even if you get out straight away that you realize that you're in a party full of communists let's say you just went to a house party that like it happened quite a lot <laughs> she's held she's you know? held a spellman <laughs> she just fell in with salem and his <laughs> yeah like it's uh it's like this uh weird way of how and also like the way how corrupt and inept the fbi and the police is is uh very interesting as well that it's like criticizing america as well for the way that it's dealing with communism that is yeah. like yeah we could be the good guys but because of the way that we prosecute the bad guys yeah uh, but that, that's why i think that he it is this like strange mix because like in the end, Skip goes to, like, defend his country or whatever. Like, he goes to, like, beat up the guy and everything. And it's, like, uh, underneath everything, you know, it's not just that he's a good guy and he's doing it for her or whatever. It's that, like, it's, like, like no matter what, people will, you know, they're, they, despite hating the police and being criminals, at the end of the day, America is their country. And that yeah, even fuck the communists, Mo is so the like... same. That she's just, like, I'm not going to give you any information. Like, you know, and, the, and, like, the idea of, like, this strange kind of um, code or something, you know, like... It's like family almost that is, like... Yeah. Yeah, I can slag my family all I want, but you're not allowed to slag my yeah, family. Yeah, but even, like, them saying, like, whenever he says about Mo, it's like, oh, Mo, she has to eat. You know what I mean? That, like, you, they will live within this, like, very... A system that's ultimately working very well because even though crime is still happening and pickpockets are still happening and they're they're still getting caught by the police or whatever, it's it's still you know he's never gonna hate her for being an informant because it's all kind of working within yeah. this sort of system. But then whenever you bring something like an outsider, like like the communists, or even just in the way of like the fifties and how like the mob just existed and that yeah. was completely fit in and around everyone's normal it's life just like a, a like an external life that like mm. fucking Al Capone was the, like in the Ritz or whatever just living and holding court and everybody knew where Al Capone was yeah but that's you including know. Kevin Costner <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but going back just to Mo like uh, like just to like really touch upon that her oh death God, scene so in particular but her character altogether, like uh what did you think like i know that we've briefly like skirted around it but yeah um oh and she's she's just fantastic like as soon as she's like that first scene where they're kind of like you know we're going to get your one to come in and it's just like you know who's this going to be and then she shows up and i was like rear window <laughs> and to oh, be fair, yeah yeah she's one of the best things about rear window as well like that uh, you couldn't imagine that movie without her and you could not imagine this film without her like that she really elevates the film and does give it some so much of um of like the, everything's kind of turning on on her character and uh, everything kind of leads back to her character and like just from the very beginning like the way that she runs her business ultimately and like how she interacts with tiger and how like she has no fear of of really like any of the people that she's interacting with even at the end whenever she knows she's going to die she has no fear of this man who's going to kill her um like she you knows she locks her door or whatever and if someone comes knocking she's a bit like well oh, who's this but you know, she's a woman, she lives by herself and she has no, she's sort of like kind of in control of her own, of her own sort of existence, I suppose. Um, and I just, I, that Thelma Ritter is just, is just fantastic. And I was like, I think she's in something else as well. Um, yeah. Also so depressing the, the way that it cuts to black and then you hear the gunshot. Oh God. Cause I, like pretty much as soon as you get to that scene, it's like, you kind of know that like even even the way how much time they give her to come into the room and put on the record and sit down and really like feel the exhaustion of her day and everything that she went through and stuff and like you know like march in the streets all day and sitting down and then the kind of like slow turn and realization on the guy's feet that he's there and uh and like what i like about that scene as well is that it's all focused on her. You get very, like, there's cutting back to him and how clearly he's, like, you know, a sap who doesn't want to do it, but it's going to do it anyways. Um, that it, it's all in her face. And the fact that, like, she's an older woman as well. She's an older actress. Like, 
getting that kind of like character in a movie now is fucking hard enough now you know like without be without it being like oh the mother character or whatever like she's she's warm and and like to a certain extent I suppose maternal but that's not her that's not her only character trait and that's why she's so great is that she feels like a real lived in person and the fact that she is an older woman just kind of I suppose is a bonus yeah it adds to it yeah and also like how she manages like really small details of characterization like even how she stands and Mm. moves when like with tiger in particular in the fbi guy that she like runs the room yeah completely yeah she's not intimidated by anyone and she her relationship with skip is so tender as well (sighs) that scene in that diner is so great just like and she's like I've known you since you were a kid and it's like just in that sentence you imagine the whole thing you know what I mean of like growing up in this neighborhood and all their all the interactions that they've had up until like whatever age he's supposed to be you know and like it's just her being slightly older she probably was like the looking down like he she saw him like as a six-year-old no yeah. good just running in the street like fucking like once upon a time into a, in America kind of thing just wrecking the place yeah and then he turns out into that person that is like somebody that yeah like he robs for a living but at the same time he like the cook with the heart of gold you know like the yeah 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 the even like there's so much like the people were complaining about this movie when it came out and even to nowadays that it's like they it says they say oh you're they glamorize it the Sam Fuller is uh, rationalizing criminals. Yeah. And the rationalization that he's making, he does do it, uh, no doubt. But also how people are born into those lives that you just don't, like, it's not by choice that you become a pickpocket and live in a shack next to the yeah. Hudson River. It's not that they are unworthy of our sympathy. And also that it doesn't mean that they're bad internally like they might mm. be robbing somebody like uh, that like somebody's hard-earned money that maybe they needed more than the actual pickpocketer as well but it's it is sad. also like it's not a crime without a victim but it's also not there's a big difference and the film really does shine a, a point on it that there's a big difference between that and being like malicious and doing uh, even doing violence if ideologically mm. and then also how you c- can't commit a crime that is just like beat up somebody like the cops do or threatening people or whatever mm. that's somehow worse than just robbing somebody but at the same time it's the it's very cl- uh, pinpoint that he's a pickpocket is not like a thug that just mugs somebody it's like like mm. i think that he is sort of like a sad character as well because like the guy is so smart and so like so switched on and but you like, can tell that he hates doing that he could have like, been anything like, you he's know he's proud of his style but at the same yeah. time it's like the reason why he failed the three t- like the three strikes is like he would get distracted and mm. sad and drunk and whatever and it's like why because who wants this life yeah Apparently, like, he has some kind of fucking poisoning or uh, drinking, like, beard that has been submerged in the Hudson River. Yeah! <laughs> All that bacteria. I wonder about that. Uh, he's not wiping those bottles before no. he makes them. I was watching it. Going, no wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it, though, like, <laughs> the can sanitizer. Uh, I was watching it just like, God, I really want a beer now. Um, but, uh, but the way that he just throws the beer to the copper where yeah, I know, yeah, your mom's like, Jesus. Like, uh, Didn't think tidy, you were serious. Uh, keep it tidy after you throw the place around. Or <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, I do love his little shack, though, because I didn't realize until kind of like halfway through uh, that he's got all his like pictures of like women up in the corner and stuff. The fact that he's like sleeping in a hammock. You yeah. Know? It's like, it's such a ridiculous but strangely comfortable little place, you know? How oh, he has like all the, the exit strategies as well, like to yeah. go down and then under and then grab the thing the, like, yeah. like he has the swing so they won't hear him going up the, the little fucking Rickety bridge, bridge oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like two boards literally yeah, like, not 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 a safe entrance to your house at all I absolutely love that scene when they arrest him and uh, like the FBI agent just comes out of the shadows and go no he was there all I night know, like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> I've been here for 12 hours and uh, they're still gonna take him and, I, like they yeah. get some mother call or something <laughs> that makes them go away but yeah. like 
they don't give a shit that he's not the man. It's because like Tiger just wants his pound of flesh, literally. Like um, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's just the fact that he's been constantly outwitted like, and getting all this cheek from this guy. It's like, yeah. You know? <laughs> the amount of cheek. He's, like, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's just a, such a swagger. It's so funny. Like he's so much better suited to this than he is to um to uh breakfast at breakfast at your break <laughs> that is the, the complete not the film that you're referring that is the second time i've fucking said that oh my god why do i keep doing that what's the name of the movie judgment in Nuremberg. <laughs> yeah remember that movie where the nazis get trialed <laughs> for like the holocaust uh, breakfast at tiffany's Jesus, I haven't seen Breakfast at the Tiffany's in years, but like, uh, I, I, don't I, don't, I, I don't know. I literally do not know why I keep doing that. Like, the two things are not connected in my brain, even. Fucking Mickey Rooney, like, shows up. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, like the, the Moon River scene in the Judge Menton Nuremberg. Don't even belong to each other. Uh, but yeah Richard Widmark is very much like a John Wayne type in the sense that mm. he played Richard Widmark type characters you know like yeah. the, the name and address changed but like uh, it'd be like the good uh, good directors and good screenwriters would be able to get the 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 work out of him. He's never been like really bad, but even like in a like very mediocre movie like the the Howls of Montezuma like he's always been a a presence like even mm. if he's overacting his socks off in judgment of nuremberg it's like you can't ignore his performances not particularly bad it's just because everybody else is so fucking subtle in that movie <laughs> like yeah maximilian shell like uh, just being like <sighs> handsome and shit and then <sighs> but like richard widmark like it, 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 he reminds me so much of like a mixture of brad pitt and george clooney that it's like they played like the persona more than like acting almost you know like you, mm. could, you could imagine like a remake of Just this with george sheer, clooney in it or sheer, like sheer um charisma or, or young brad pitt kind of thing or even yeah. like maybe Bat damon or something you know like maybe but not that much like it'll be yeah i'm trying to think of because like he's not really conventionally handsome so i'm trying to think of somebody that kind of I think Fits part that. of it is also his voice, uh, yeah. like the way that he carries himself and like, the he way knows that he's he delivers the big dog lines. kind of thing yeah yeah he, he, like in all his films but in this film in particular that's why it's my my favorite performance by his <clears throat> is the sheer indignity that he feels like he feels like <laughs> so indignant of like everyone around him you know like yeah. he, he's disgusted by everyone like it's like 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 this sense of superiority that is like what, the only thing that skip can cling on to like yeah the, but even like, the way he dresses as well because i noticed that kind of from the beginning that Obviously, he's dressing to fit in, kind of, so that he's not, like, standing out as a guy who lives in a shack, so that he's able to, like, go on the subway and steal from people. Like, people will get up close to him in the subway and not, like... Even though he steals the gun from your man, like, the dude's literally just, like, you know, in another fucking world. That's hilarious. I love that scene in that bathroom so much. But, um... And, like, then whenever you're a guy, he's, like, trying to pat himself down, trying to find the gun. Um, But, uh... You kind of get the idea that it's a way for him to feel above what his actual station yeah. in life is that he always looks kind of neat and uh and even like the that- toilet fire reminded me of like the elf in a casino royale like the what? daniel craig one when they like yeah. burst his head through like oh, the sinks yeah. and stuff kind of a little bit yeah. and it's in black and white as well well it's true kind of weird memory thing yeah um uh yeah like i just i i really like those scenes with him and her are just like ridiculous like they have like another level to like something like um but but uh it happened one night or something that's quite sweet yeah. and there's an awful lot of chemistry between them but it all feels very pg there's just something very like erotic about this and i don't know why it's like it's also like it it's only, he- like it's just it's it's heady somehow it's and like, like the the lighting and also it's like cold era hollywood so it's kind of uh, the idea like i think of them kissing so fast uh, yeah it was originally to try to do like the sense of like a w- one night stand that like Inst- like have the same shock value that if they yeah they were able to show that oh they talked entire night but then had sex yeah but like it and was you totally the way you totally get of, that yeah uh, like portraying that emotion in cinema like you yeah. know like 
two people that are like all over each other when they just meet then like the relationship comes from afterwards yeah but also it's like i feel like the what we're talking about like desperation and people at the end of their tether is that they see like a kindred of spirits and in that kind of world it's kind of like you jump into anything good that you see Mm. and like even if it is the way that it is and like they think that there's the, the tenderness that he shows towards her um even when we, at the end as well, when she mm. goes over, and, like the ending Let's is it to the end. Like um. it, it reminded me of the ending of uh, Balutan and Portugal, New Orleans, directed by Werner Herzog. <laughs> that like uh, uh, that people, but like that movie makes it a point and on purpose. Like spoiler alert for that amazing movie. That Nicolas Cage is just standing there and he has like fucking still pending like about four or five plot lines that his <laughs> life might be ruined at any moment because of these plot lines. And one after the other just gets solved as he's sitting like in a chair. Yeah. And I feel that this movie has that kind of like ending that is like, it's a movie that shouldn't have such a happy ending as it has. She shouldn't live. Like as yeah. soon as she was shot, I was like, oh my God. Wow jeez and then it's like oh 50 50 i was like oh, for fuck's sake and then like the next scene she's just there like oh, you know oh where's skip oh skip's here hi skip it's like yeah it's like the val kilmer moment and kiss kiss bang bang um, it's like let's bring everybody back yeah <laughs> <laughs> we watched that the other night uh, <laughs> sorry we just did the nose thing from kiss kiss bang bang that Anyways. is the single gayest thing that you ever done <laughs> go back to your gay job uh, <laughs> um yeah, like it's it's as By much the way, as like, anybody that is gonna complain uh, about that little interaction, please watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Bang. Yeah, before. It's, it's 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 wonderful. Um, yeah, like as much as I buy their like chemistry and like affection for each other, um, uh, that that's all wonderful. But um, in the end, it being so triumphant about the fact that, like, yeah, you know, they got the communists and everything's fine, and now they're gonna go off and be happily ever after. It's like he hit her. He's quite aggressive towards her. It's like, in the fact that they would end up together is not crazy because, like, within this world, you know, like what you were saying, like being able to find some sense of like happiness or like tenderness in what is incredibly hard life is and the fact that like she was a prostitute like she's only just gotten over the debt from this other like skeezy boyfriend yeah like it's kind of uh, alluded to and very like obliquely the realizing that that's not the first punch that she's taken to the face like certainly not yeah like that that she doesn't she doesn't cower you know like even the way that like her hitting him whenever like with the bottle she does it with the kind of like that she's like you know that's kind of desperate like you know i gotta get out of here but at the same time it's like probably not the first time that Candy's had to do something like hit a man over the head with a bottle. You know what I mean? It's not, you buy that, but the fact it's that it's... not her first rodeo, let's say. No, it. but the, just the, the triumphant, it, it's dealt with in the same sort of like, the end, that's something like, uh, it happened one night yeah. is, and that's not great. Like, he, they bring the walls of Jericho. Uh, yeah, but, and it's, it's happy. But I think as well, like, it, it reeks of studio interference for that ending. It reeks it like a copy and paste job. And also, like, knowing Sam Fuller is that, like, he's not a cynical man because, like, he has as much empathy as, like, any filmmaker that uh, has ever lived. Like, I think that he is a very, like, that's why his films stand the test of time, I think, because... Mm. Like, their film about people more than anything else, the, no matter what the, the plot is. Like, his style is very much more, like, 70s style filmmaking, like, yeah. rather than 40s and 50s style. Like, uh, if you put color and make the camera slightly better and the real projection better, like, this could have been, like, William Friedkin, like, mm. flick kind of thing, you know? Um, but the, he's also realist, and if you see like the darkness in his other movies, mm. like the I don't think that he would ever like I don't like I haven't read anything about student interference, but like it reeks of it. And I can't imagine him like in his right mind going like, yeah, what this movie needs is them to ride off to the sunset while like fucking the Bonanza yeah. soundtrack plays in the background. Almost, yeah, like. it's it's just disappointing. But um yeah and it just it does a disservice to candy i think as well i do think that candy is a little bit hard done by in this like in a movie that treats mo so well and is such a great character that in the end she did need just a bit more development and yeah. i know that like this is a 
for considering the the era of this and the fact that like this is noir and that she's not even just she see she's not quite one thing or the other she's not quite just the floozy but she's not quite a femme fatale she's not you know what i mean she's kind of she's just straddling a lot of lines and i think that she needed just a little bit more to her to make her to be able to like be all those things instead of feeling a bit of a i think it's also the her character uh, because like you said it pales in comparison to the characterization of skip and mo and tiger and everybody else that it just becomes more noticeable in a different movie this probably would have seemed yeah you would have been able to get away with it but then it would be a lesser movie altogether than this is like um but like I'm glad they it seems that you enjoyed the the oh, film. Oh no, like, I really, uh, really did. And it like it flew along as well. Like it's not a long movie. Yeah, it's but, like um, eighty minutes or something. Yeah, like you know they could have given this an extra. They could have given this an extra twenty minutes or something, and it would have been or even ten minutes, and it would yeah. have um, just for candy, like more yeah. than anything else, and also like uh, the like uh, but like uh, you were saying about the first scene that I really like how it's shot as well. That yeah. it's like cutting from like and. The first time that you watch is like, what the fuck? Like, th- this oh, can't you're... be a movie about just pickpocketing. You yeah. know, like, I know that Hollywood has had, like, that <laughs> kind of, like, career kind of movies. Like, a Newsies comes out, like a fucking Christian Bale <laughs> Disney musical. I did uh, kind of wonder. I was like, I wonder, maybe this will, like, all take place, like, in the subway. That would be yeah. cool. Um, but uh, obviously, it didn't at the same time. Patrick Swayze shows up. Uh, yeah, and, it, like, moving this... cans with his mind. Is this, like, taking a pal one, two, three or something? You yeah. know what I mean? But, um... Uh, I do like the way I would you're... love to see a Sam Fuller version of Tell- Take yeah. Up Home 1, 2, 3 yeah that's what I'm saying like he could have done it um, obviously like I like where the movie's going but what I like is that you, you know you're not quite you don't quite get a handle on it until you're a little bit into it which which is good it's it, it doesn't have that kind of like thing of, of sort of setting up a very kind of like noirish plot and then kind of like you know <gasps> you know wait this person don't, you know it's not about like double crossing or uh, which I kind of like that you know you you have to kind of sit with it for a little while before kind of seeing exactly what what is the what is this world like uh, it reminds me of like a good Raymond Chandler novel but like a, a good adaptation or something like that mm. that is like the yes the pot boiler elements are like over the top to fuck but because the line by line writing is so good the way oh, that the, the shot by shot here this is really good like and also matches with the the visual style of the movie that like the cinematography is really good as well. I feel yeah. that it's uh, even like just the the whole setup and the time that he gives uh, Skip just to like get to the check the film in the yeah. library and everything that is like how to get away with it. Also like in the lengths you have to go to do something as simple as look a microfilm when you're <laughs> living in a shack. Yeah, and I, I love that though. Just the fact that he's just as smart enough to be able to think like you know okay i need to find out what's on this and to know where to go to do it and to be able to like execute it to look at it and stuff and like he's just he he's like incredibly like sort of like um yeah it turns into like hold the president's man for like about five minutes uh, yeah i enjoyed that i enjoyed that a lot so uh what was your favorite thing about the movie hmm probably Woodmark, i think but mm, no, so, like, no, it's gotta be Mo, doesn't it? Yeah, probably Mo, because she kind of is the the thing that really like there. I think there are a lot of things that that like elevate this film, but I think her character, her performance, her interaction with all the different characters, I think, are all great, and and even like her recognizing um, the second time whenever Candy comes to her. Um, like just how worried and how attached she is for um for uh, Skip, um and then like her saying that to Skip is it like you know don't discount that girl like she really cares for you kind of thing, um and I it's, just, it's such a great performance um and she just it's very sad when she dies. Yeah, I nearly cried again watching it. <gasps> I was like, no, no, no. Well, like, uh, like I really like her performance as well. I, I also like that, like, she and Richard Wilmark are the only two characters that have a relationship with every single character in the movie, and it's like yeah. very rare the secondary character gets like individual scenes. Yeah. With everybody, and it's like the dynamic is very fluid and different with each people. Like the like they feel like, with the exception of Candy, sometimes like I do agree with you. But they all feel like real people and that mm. they have history together and stuff. Like even 
we were talking about like for me it's mo tied with richard winmark particularly mm. his relationship with tiger like i think that it's a very yeah. like it's cool but at the same time it's like it's that kind of you know what we were talking about like with other films kind like depending uh, on each other and stuff like yeah, that that is two a, sides a codependent of... relationship yeah. that like tiger is like in a way trying to get him with Dio so he can catch him another yeah, three yeah, times exactly, or something yeah <clears throat> it's like it's not end. like he wants it to exonerate him it's just like mm. he wants uh, to be able to keep chasing him like <laughs> and to have the thrill of then finding him kind of be like ha i caught you again you bastard I wish as well that there was like a fucking you know how no there's there's like hacker convenient uh, conventions conventions yeah that like there was like a pickpocket convention <laughs> because, like, each one has like such a fucking trademark thing like style I wanna you know <laughs> I wanna go to Disney World <laughs> uh, what was your least favorite thing uh, the ending like uh, Candy's uh, characterization has its issues but I think uh, between uh, between Jim Peters' performance and her chemistry with Richard Widmark, and also mm. like she does get good scenes in the film. She's got some um, good lines as well. Yeah, like and she's a cool character. So I just think that there's like what we're saying that there's about like a couple scenes missing. Like there's mm. like a little bit like it's almost like it's under seasoned almost. You know, <laughs> like the like it's almost there. Yeah. Uh, well, the ending is just like it's like a mm. different fucking movie. Mm. Like like it, like you were saying, it, like, it feels like, like the like, ending of uh, it happened one night. It's like, like the, fucking his girl Friday or something. You know what I mean? Like at the very end, they're like walking out to the police station, and you're just like, oh god, no, 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 no. Same time, like uh, reminded me of the end of LA Confidential. Like, oh uh, god, yeah, which is awful, but kind of yeah. gets away with it somehow. That's a bit more, I suppose, yeah, because it has the same kind of like. You know, where he kind of used, like, whatever, um, as I say, Edward Norton, um, Guy Pierce's character, like, kind of using them for his medal and everything. And, uh, yeah, I think my, my least favorite thing was just the ending as well. Just, yeah. Uh, just, because I was kind of like, because <laughs> I had to keep from, because I, the, I didn't have, um, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the movie or whatever version I had of this. Well, I think this is on Criterion, so I don't know why. Yeah, it is Criterion. I think I had a relatively good version of it, but, um, the sound wasn't great, so I had to, like, for the dialogue, I had to keep going back. Oh, actually, shout out to the soundtrack, because the soundtrack's quite cool. Uh, a little bit jazzy in this, like, oh, yeah, like, still fucking... a bit, you know, like, a little bit 50s, sort of, but studio, but at the same time, it's, it's quite cool in places, particularly, I find, whenever they're in the shack. But, um, and like, outside the shack, like on his little balcony kind of <laughs> I love that scene um, also some of the best lines are delivered in those scenes everybody likes everybody when they're kissing <laughs> or you're talking like you've got a fever uh, oh does beer always make you like this oh yes <laughs> so great people are really trying to like em- like uh, emulate that in modern movies and just yeah. not getting it um but they, yeah, the, they go over the top instead of just like. Yeah, no, like it's the same. <clears throat> like in something, um, like it happened one night, and uh, it, it's like it's a mile a minute. Like you have to keep going back and and really like stacking up all the many break. Like, even like things. Casablanca or something yeah. that is just like oh, my favorite line, Casablanca, when they like oh I'm closing this place down. Why? For I le- I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted <laughs> to finding out that there's illegal yeah, gambling like, going. Here's your winning, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but just caught like constant, constant, constant. Like, and not even like in this. It's it's not that they're all hilarious in the way of like it happened with night. It's not quite romantic comedy levels of of, of um sort of like it's just memorable. Clips, but they're of. just great lines. Like there's something about oil and gushing. I can't remember what it is now, but it was also brilliant. Uh, yes, uh, where can they find the Sorla? Uh, well, that was... Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that was uh, Pick, Pick Up, up on, on South, South Street. Street. I liked it. It was great. Go watch it. Uh, I think it's on YouTube in various forums because I went to go and see if um, there was like a trailer for it, which there is. It's fucking great. I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely sharing it. But there seemed to be like a hundred different versions of this online, um, it being however many years old at this point. So... But uh, yeah, they can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter at The Rec Game. You can email us at game at gmail.com. You can also find us on Dublin Digital Radio's Mixcloud and on Dublin Digital Radio on Mondays at 11 to 12. And if you want to donate to Independent Irish Radio, I'm fairly sure they still have a Patreon that you can uh, donate to. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, next week's film is... It's chosen by you, Orla. It is. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it. <laughs> so wh- wh- what are you choosing? Lo and behold, reveries of the connected world. <laughs> is this our first technically German movie, even though, like... Yeah? That is so fucking weird. <laughs> He's Bavarian. <laughs> Um, yes, finally. I'm very, very excited for a bit of Werner. Um, Merry, you know, Werner Christmas. So, um, <laughs> a very up Christmas. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I just want to, like, not that I have that image in my head, I just want to spend Christmas with Werner Herzog. Via desperation and murder. This uh, turkey died. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would be quite pleasant. I can imagine him sitting by a fire with a brandy, you know. Talking about the misery and <laughs> oh, yeah, like uh, literally like the wild eye character he plays in the wind rises. Say <laughs> <laughs> so give weird German exactly, sauce. Exactly. Bavaria. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Until then, uh, we'll like drinking Bavaria's hot. Until then. Uh, until then. No, like I can't do a Werner Herzog and I better train myself not to do it next episode that much. I won't promise too much. So I was Ricardo Deacon anyways. I was Orla Thank you for listening. See you.